welcome to Everyone Loved It But Me. My name is Lisa Hedger. I am your host. I'm a freelance writer, journalist, and editor in Central Ohio. This is a podcast where we analyze super popular books. Today's episode is a book bits episode. These are sometimes a little bit smaller. But in today's episode, I'm going to talk about a number of things. The first segment is going to be looking at reading goals. I'm going to share with you some of my goals for this year, what I'm looking at for next year, things I did well, things I didn't do well, I did very, very poorly on, and and kind of talk about looking ahead to next year. And then also going to dive into, I've had some people ask me about trigger warnings on books, and I think that's a really important conversation. I'm going to talk about that. And then lastly, I'm going to give an update on the publishing merger, which I've talked about this past summer. Now, on to the show. All right, so the first thing I want to jump into is reading goals. And I have been pretty good about setting up some reading goals the last handful of years. And I I really like to do that for a number of reasons. It helps me to think a little more intentionally about the type of books I'm going to read. The first thing I'm going to say is, you know, everyone asks, do you have a number goal? The answer is yes, I have a number goal and I rarely make the number goal. Sometimes I've come pretty close. This year I am hopelessly far behind. I said I would be, you know, very candid. My goal of books to read this year was 75. I'm talking to you here in the middle of November. I am not going to hit that goal. I have read 51 books this year. So a couple I think I have not documented on my Goodreads, so I might be at you know, 52 or 53, but not much more. I might end the year at, you know, 57, close to 60 is is my guess, but I, I'm not going to hit that 75 goal. And, and that's okay. I, I just think it's fine to have a number goal and not to let yourself get so upset. So I will tell you my first two, three months of the year, that January, February, March, I do a lot of reading then because, you know, I'm here in the Midwest. It's cold, it's snowy, it's wet, and I stay in on a lot of evenings and and do a lot of reading. In the summer, and this last summer, my daughter had graduated high school. It was every, you know, activity and event, every two or three days, there was the last you know, band concert, the last concert for this, the the last event, right? There were so many last events. And both my husband and I said, look, this, you know, it's a kiddo who, who'd been in school for like two years of COVID, missed out on a lot of things. We were going to hit all of those events. And I really felt like there were a couple months when, when things were so busy, that I was reading very, very little. So I, I, I think that's okay. And, and, you know, I'm here to say, do not beat yourself up for not hitting that number goal. I just, I just think it's not worth it. I'll probably set the same number goal for 2023. I think I'll, I'll set it for 75 and, and we'll see, we'll see where it lands. A second goal that I had for this year 
and this will this is a goal that will continue for 2023 is to read a lot of newer authors so authors who are not in the new new york times bestsellers list authors that many of us have not heard of authors that are not getting you know big contracts for writing a book but but new authors and many times you know debut not authors right it's their first book and that is something that i feel like I've done a pretty good job of, right? I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. So, so I'm going to jump into a couple of these. And one book that is, you know, brand new author who I was lucky enough to have on this show. Name of the book, it's a children's book, Mission Get Daddy Better by Todd McElwee. And this is just a delightful children's book looking at his journey to get healthy. And and I talked about this in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And we all, I also did another Book Bits episode where I talked a little more in depth, and I'll include the link on, on that as well with Todd. And this is a book that certainly right now is just not getting as many, certainly based on reviews. So this is one I would, would suggest you consider. In kind of the memoir category, one I I read is Pregnant Girl, a story of teen pregnancy, college, and creating a better future for young families by Nicole Lynn Lewis. This one only on Goodreads only has 34 reviews and 292 ratings. I would encourage you to to kind of check this one out. It is a it, it's a it's a difficult book. It's the mother's perspective. She's pregnant and she tells us just this very very challenging journey that that she went through. One of my book clubs read it and it's is an excellent book club discussion book, I would say. Another book, and I was really excited. This was a a book here. This is When We Were Still Alive by Keith McWalter. And he actually came to my book club meeting and talked about his book, which I really appreciated. This one on Goodreads just has 35 ratings, 14 reviews. And it really, it starts out, you know, there has been a death and you're trying to figure out this mystery. So you got to keep reading this one, trying to figure out what happened. That was a book I read that, again, he's a debut author. Another one, and I mentioned this one, I think on the show, is by Mari Lowe, Viva versus the Dybbuk. And I talked about this one, I believe, in the episode about Jewish joy. And this is like a fun book that also delves in to some important, you know, you learn a lot more about the Jewish culture because I listened to this one with my kids and I really enjoyed that. And there's, there's grief and there's sorrow, but there's also a lot of joy. So that's why I put this in the Jewish joy category because it, it, I left this book feeling uplifted Another book by a an author, a very new author, is The Hollow Inside by Brooke Lauren Davis. This one has 786 ratings, 178 reviews. This is like a fun, twisty, young adult book. Also some, some mystery in it. One that I just finished, and I'm going to be speaking with this author here in a few days, is The Holiday Breakdown by Leah Bonema. She is a comedian. There's a lot of comedic value in this one. Just a lot of funny 
anecdotes. It's a lovely, humorous, romantic comedy. And on Goodreads just has eight reviews and, and 38 ratings. So those are kind of my handful of books, which I felt pretty good. I hope next year to have even more books that that are debut authors and, you know, many authors that I think people haven't heard of as much. My another goal I have is I always want to do some classics. I want to read at least my my main goal is at least one classic a year. This year I read, I would say three classics, My Antonia, which I'd never read before. And it, it's really delightful. It reminds me a lot of Laura Ingalls Wilder. A little bit darker than, than she is, because of course this one's for adults. But, you know, you, you get the, the prairie view and, and things like that. And I, I like those kind of books. It's very quiet. The second one that I'll be releasing this one shortly is Wuthering Heights, which I had never read before. So I'll have a whole episode on that. And then Frankenstein. I had never read that one. This was completely different than I envisioned. And I actually really enjoyed it. I enjoyed all three of those. Another goal of mine is to was to read more books, more new books. I tend to read a lot of the backlist books. So my 2022 books, I'm going to kind of list them here. I know I've mentioned some of these. Olga Dies Dreaming. That was an excellent book. Big Wig. Okay, that's a, a children's book. Mission Get Daddy Better. I just mentioned that one. The Crane Wife by C.J. Hauser. One of my favorites of the year. So far, I'm glad my mom died. That is just an excellent memoir. I also read This Time Tomorrow and Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel. These are all 2020 books. Uh, the Swimmers was a 2022 book. The School for Good Mothers. And the one that I just mentioned, Aviva versus the Dybbuk, was also a 2022 book. And then the I guess kind of the another goal I have is to read, you know, authors who I feel are not often as represented, right? So it could be African-American, Nigerian, authors from different cultures, from third world countries, th things like that. I definitely feel like I, I need to, to work on that. My Monticello was an excellent book in, in that category. That's by Jocelyn Nicole Johnson. That is a series of short stories, but the best one is, what I thought was the best one was My Monticello. It was excellent. It's showing this like not too distant future. Do you ever wish you could sit in on a conversation with some of your favorite authors and listen to them talk about their writing process, their path to publication, and of course, their newest novels? Hi, I'm Marissa Meyer, best-selling author of The Lunar Chronicles, and I would love for you to check out the Happy Writer podcast, where every week I talk with other writers about books, craft, inspiration, and how to bring a little more joy into our lives. The Happy Writer is available wherever you get your podcasts or find us on Instagram at Happy Writer Podcast. And it's, it's pretty scary in terms of what, what could happen to our society. So there's a young woman who is driven away from her neighborhood by white militia. And 
they ultimately end up at Thomas Jefferson's Monticello to escape this militia. And this young woman is actually a descendant of Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings. It's it's very, very good. I would highly, highly recommend that one. Another another book that, that I highly recommend too, Yinka, Where's Your Husband? That's by Lizzie. I'm trying this last name, Demolia Blackburn, who's British-Nigerian author. This one was a lot of fun. I would put it kind of in that romantic comedy category, but it it just, it was a lot of fun. I've mentioned this one before. My Sister the Serial Killer had a lot of fun with this one too. A Vinkian Braithwaite is also a British-Nigerian author. And that that is a book that I also, it's a lot of fun. Also highly recommend. So that's where I stand kind of for my goals. And looking into 2023, I might discuss this again later this year, but I think, I think I'm shooting for some similar type goals, right? Probably number wise, it'll be 75 around there. And again, a huge goal of mine is always to read new authors, authors who are not getting much attention, authors who who are writing books that maybe are, again, are not making the New York Times bestseller and and things like that. And then I also want to always want to sprinkle in uh, a few classics. I want to sprinkle in some, some new books of the year. And I want to sprinkle in those books uh, from authors who are underrepresented. So I think I might come up with a couple new categories for, for next year as well. But that's, that is, is where I'm, I'm kind of hitting it right now. That's, this seems like a pretty good, a pretty good fit. Before I move on to the next segment, I want to take a very quick break and just remind you that this is a one-woman podcast. I write and edit everything from my central Ohio home. I always do my recordings here in the closet. So any way that you can support me, I would really appreciate it. Certainly telling your friends and relatives about my show. Also, Offering up, if you enjoy the show, a five-star review or rating wherever you listen would be a big help. And I always include links to all of the books in the show notes. And if you purchase one of them, I get a very tiny bit of compensation as well. It does not charge you any extra. Now we're going to jump to the second part of the show, which is looking at trigger warnings. And trigger warnings have become much more popular in, I would say, the the last handful of years, I, I would say. So what are trigger warnings? Okay. So trigger warnings are basically... If if a book deals a lot with suicide or rape or, you know, loss of a child or anything that could somehow, you know, cause you to trigger an emotional, a very difficult response, that's what a trigger warning is. A lot of times you will hear a trigger warning. I listen to podcasts where they give trigger warnings. I have read reviews 
of books where they give trigger warnings. So they'll say, okay, trigger warnings for, you know, animal abuse and, you know, sexual abuse or also dealing with, you know, profanity or, um, you know, just all sorts of different things. So there's so many different kinds of trigger warnings. Overall, my general thought is I, I think that they're really helpful and beneficial. I know many people who have gone through so many difficult, you know, journeys in their life. And gosh darn it, I mean, maybe you just do not want to read a book that delves into the exact thing that that you're you're reading about I remember I think listening where before trigger I think somebody told a story maybe this was on one of my bookish podcasts where they said there was a book I think it was a book where the woman had lost her husband and the family members were going through scanning the books for her so that she would not end up reading a book where the husband dies, you know, at at the middle or the end or or anything like that, because she did not want to to read a book that that delved into that. I just, I completely understand. I, I guess the, the only, you know, the second part of this is people say, oh my gosh, well, you know, a lot of times there's, there's spoilers, right? Maybe the husband dies on page 300 or 322 and there's 325 pages so if you if you get that warning that there's death of a spouse then you're gonna know how, how the book ends but I just think that if you don't want to hear the trigger warnings or don't want to read them you don't have to but they're there for people who need them I'm pretty much a proponent of, of trigger warnings because I think that they they can be necessary I think if you don't want to be spoiled, then there really are ways that that you can avoid them. A lot of times on the bookish podcasts I listen to, and I haven't done too many trigger warnings here, but if I did, you know, I might say, oh, I'm going to give some a, a few trigger warnings. Heads up, a couple of these might be spoilers. If you're not interested, fast forward 30 seconds. I think I think there's some really easy ways to avoid spoilers for those of us who want to avoid spoilers, but to protect those of us who who need to be protected so that we're not reading books that are going to cause more pain. You know, we we don't want that. I do appreciate these. Again, you know, I am one who does understand both sides. But if you if you don't want those, just, you know, don't don't read them. Like especially when you're looking at reviews, I notice that the trigger warnings are often in the same place, right? They're maybe at the very end of the review. So, you know, you can read a review and know not to read that if you don't don't want, want to see those. But I think a lot of us really appreciate those. I, I just think that they're they're very, very beneficial. Okay, the third item I'm going to discuss today is this high stakes publishing trial that I discussed in the summer in a couple of episodes. And we finally have an update from just the last week or two. So here is the quick background. In the fall of 2020, Penguin Random House announced it was going to spend $2.18 billion. That's B for a billion to purchase competitor Simon and Schuster. The U.S. government said, no, 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 not so fast. 
sued Penguin Random House, saying this deal means fewer authors are going to be able to earn a living from writing. Their argument was, hey, guys, you know, now you're, you're basically going to be paying these authors a lot less. I, I can include these links as well. I included these links in, in those other episodes. CNN had written about it and the New York Times reporting in great detail about this dispute. I kind of got a little bit into the trial because one of the first speakers was author Stephen King. It was really cute. He got up on the stand and they asked him what he did. And he says, I'm a freelance writer. But he essentially argued against the merger. And what happened was, you know, here we are now, I'm speaking to you again, November 2022. This, this trial happened in the summer, summer of 2022. U.S. District Court Judge Florence Y. Pan announced this decision in a, in a statement, adding that much of her ruling remained under seal at the moment because of confidential information. But I, right now, you know, obviously, here's where we are. Like I said, it's mid-November. Penguin Random House was not happy with the decision. But it looks like this merger will not be going to fruition. And incidentally, when the ruling was announced, Stephen King tweeted he was delighted by the ruling, adding the proposed merger was never about readers and writers. It was about preserving and growing market share. In other words, money, 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 dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. So that's kind of where we are right now. I'll include a couple of links here in the show notes. But essentially, it looks like there, there may not be an appeal but like I said, I will keep watching this one. Certainly the collapse of, of this sale is a major blow to Penguin Random House's ambitions to expand its enormous market share. That's coming from an article that I will include as well in the show notes. Now, it is possible, I'm reading an article that I said I'd share in the show notes, that Simon & Schuster will likely end up under new ownership, no matter what happens, if there is an appeal here or not. The publisher had been up for sale well before the Penguin Random House deal was announced late in 2020. And the publisher's corporate parent, Paramount Global, has said it did not see Simon & Schuster as part of the future. So we're going to keep our eyes, eyes on this. Clearly, we know that the publishing industry has been consolidating dramatically. We know it impacts, of course, writers and us as readers on those books that we get into our hands. I just gave you a list of, you know, a handful of books that are not backed by big publishers that are don't have the same type of financial push to get in to people's hands. So what I hope to do with this podcast, this is one of my, I guess, reading goals and goals for the podcast again in 2023. I think it's one of my annual goals is, you know, to continue to analyze these beloved books because of I love analyzing books and to offer up and consider books 
that aren't as popular, that don't maybe have the publishing backing, that don't have the same financial backing, that are new authors, because those are really, really important as well. And that is one of my missions as a reader and as for the podcast. So I want to thank you so much for your time. And as promised, we're, we're, we are going to wrap up some fun Everyone Loved It But Me books in, in the next week or two before we really dive in, into holidays. But we've got some fun ones coming up. I uh, hope that you all have a lovely day. If you've ever got that Everyone Loved It But Me book you want to see me discuss, please, please reach out to me. www.everyoneloveditbutme.com And you can also find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram and Facebook. So everyone loved it but me or Lisa Hedger. I'm available in all of those social media. You can send me a direct message and I usually respond. Thank you so much for your time. Again, have a lovely day. And most importantly, I hope you get to read today.